0: Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plosinski, Customer Training Specialist, and with me is Luke Borle. Luke, please introduce yourself.
1: Morning, Rick. My name is Luke again. Um, I'm a Region Product Development Manager for United Rentals. Uh, basically, I like to tell my customers I am their easy button for all things safety. Uh, when it comes to helping with their safety training initiatives uh, for their company and their employees. i uh, been with United Rentals 15 years going on 19 years in the air force training uh, our troops on confined space and fall protection as well.
0: Thank you, Luke. So our conversation will hopefully be informative and educational so we can help you avoid injuries and fatalities while on the job site. Now today, Luke and I are going to discuss the number one fatality hazard in construction falls. So Luke, let's begin by asking this. If we all know that falls are the number one fatality hazard on job sites, why do so many people fail to protect themselves?
1: That's a really good question um, because it pops up. if, If you look at, you know, year after year, again, I've been in the safety field here uh, on the civilian side for uh, for 13 years doing this, and year after year, OSHA comes out with their most frequently cited OSHA standards violations. Right, and and again, it's it's you're going to see fall protection in there multiple times or a fall protection issue. Case in point, in the 2020, you know most most cited fall protection number one, ladders number three, scaffolding number four, fall protection training number seven. And then PPE life saving equipment number eight, which all ties together. So really, you're you've got one, two, three, four. You've got five. Half, uh, most frequently said, half of the top ten all have something to do with fall protection. So really, to answer your question, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of it, personally, I think it's just education. It's it's the common theme of you know cutting corners. Guys saying, oh, it won't happen to me. Complacency and and really. Lack of training. I, I gotta say, those are probably the top three. It's it's right. It's complacency, lack of training, and guys just thinking, "Hey, it's not going to happen to me."
0: When you say that, it's by a wide margin. I mean, you you just stated, you know, five of the, five of the top ten most cited violations has to do with fall protection. When you look at it as far as the percentage wise, forty percent. It's roughly forty percent of all citations in construction are due to fall protection. I think the next closest one is like 8%. You know, we're not talking a couple of citations here. We're talking about a wide margin. And, you know, it's kind of like when we talk about the the trench and excavation safety side, too. It seems to be more of just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's that's where you really get into that. You don't know what you don't know, and if you're not getting the training and you're not you don't have the the wherewithal of understanding the hazards associated with with the job that you're performing, you're not going to be you know protecting yourselves because unless you see somebody else doing it, you're not going to be doing it.
1: I, I, I Agree. I agree exactly. And and I mean, even if you just look on the civilian side, just just homeowners falling from ladders. Is, is another top one right right behind electrical ha- uh, uh, issues so it's 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 not specific to the to the construction industry but obviously that's where it's going to be highlighted
0: what are the different types of fault protection methods and when should each one of these be used
1: there there's different options out there for fault protection and really it's it's whoever's on site whether it's a safety guy or the project manager supervisor whatever it, it's really analyzing the hazards, right? Analyzing, you know, you're going to look at your work environment, the duties that you're going to be performing, the duration you're going to be at, you know, in this hazard area, the number of workers that are going to be doing this, you know, up on the roof or in a mobile equipment or scaffolding and and also just trying to mitigate risk management. So there's no hundred percent right or wrong answer as to which one you would use or when or for you know but you can you can double up on some of these as well, right? So it's it's really assessing these these key features and then making that 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 best choice for you. So you can start as as simple as as guardrails and it's in the standard ex- specifically what you need for guardrails as far as how high the you know the, the top rail and mid rail have to be and the stanchions have to be apart. You could have supported access, what they call supported access, which is like, you know, ladders, uh, scaffolding, which would include aerial lifts. And we can go down a whole nother rabbit hole when you talk about aerial lifts because they they changed their standard in June of 2020 regarding, you know, the, the height, the rail height. Uh, also, you know, um, you know, some of the requirements with the rescue plan and stuff like that. So, you know, supported access is another type suspended access which would be like uh in some of the uh, larger cities right you've got your high rises where the guys are suspended over the, the the side of the building doing you know washing your windows or something like that right so suspended scaffold uh is another type um or even being lifted and hoisted in you know in a basket from a crane right you know transporting workers from from you know rooftop to rooftop a lot of guys don't think about fall projection like Toward your neck of the woods, right? I, I call it where it's it's putting even a manhole cover over something, right? That's fall protection because you could fall into that into the hole or or trench, you know, falling into the trench. What what can you do to cover up that manhole or trench trench cover like that? And there's also safety nets, you know, that could be you'll see that with construction to try and catch, uh, you know, falling debris or personnel. And Then below that, uh, let's see, we've got warning lines, which are going to be more for a flat roof, flat top roof. And I've seen this on jobs where guys are just putting poles with, you know, the the plastic flagging. That's not a warning line. It, it should be, you know, the line has to have a certain tensile strength and then the stanchions have to be so far apart. And they have to be set up, uh, I believe it's 34 to 45 inches away from that leading edge. And uh, the flags have to be, you know, spaced out so far. So it's it's very, again, it's all of these systems are very regulated as far as how they're set up. And again, I think it's a lot of education, the, the field not knowing exactly how to set these up and when to use them, right? Because they're, they're not evaluating their system properly, their, their hazards properly, and they're just putting up, you know, hey, this is, I think this is what's covers them.
0: Does this kind of get into when a competent person really comes into play when, it ta- when we talk about fall protection?
1: Uh, absolutely. I think that's that's a, a, a big thing that's missed is actually... Having a trained, and I want to put that a trained, competent person, not just somebody being, hey, blessed. You are my, you are my competent person. Read up on the right, but somebody that's properly trained and authorized to be that competent person to make those decisions. How, you know, they're taught how to analyze that the risk hazards.
0: Because there's so many different not only different types of fall protection, but quite honestly, different uh, situations when fall protection would be needed. It's really hard to have one particular plan for you know all situations where fall protection might be utilized because one plan might not cover work that you're actually going to be performing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, you could double up on them. So yes, you could have you could have a safety net on the side of the building and still have your guys tied off with personal fall systems, anchor points on the edge, too. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, you know, which I didn't mention earlier is personal systems. But, yeah, a- a- absolutely.
0: So this fall protection plan idea, this is kind of a new scenario here. What does that incorporate?
1: So it's, it's not really new generally to the industry. What's new with the fall protection plan is the requirement for aerial lifts. And in the new ANSI reg, in the new ANSI standard, there's it's spelled out. Right, We're a fall protection. I'm just reading right from the reg from the platform when using fall arrest systems. Will require a rescue plan to determine how the affected worker will return safely to the platform or ground. Uh, the plan should be put in writing and become part of the company's training manual. All occupants shall receive training and explains uh, training that explains procedures to to uh, to follow. If they fell, I'm sorry. If they fall and await rescue or witness another worker's fall, so then it goes into you know specifically what needs to be covered in that rescue plan. But that that's the new part when it comes to aerial lifts. That's that's really required is this fall protection plan, the training of it, and that it has to be in writing. Right? It was never enforced as 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 it is in black and white now. Uh, prior to the ANSI change in uh,
0: 2020. And now a word from our sponsor. In today's world, it is critical to have a partner that puts safety at the forefront. A partner who understands what you're up against. A partner you can count on to get you what you need when you need it. That's why United Rentals is here for you. Combining equipment, safety, experience, and data to help your team get the job done united rentals here to help with the equipment and tools you need to find a store nearest you visit unitedrentals.com or call 1-800-UR-RENTS so what are the different components of fall protection systems
1: so we kind of covered a, a few of them before but the, the personnel systems right and the, the big thing there is the difference in a fall arrest system versus a fall restraint system you know your harness and lanyard right so a fall arrest system is, and I'm, I've been noticing this over the last 10 years, these are really kind of starting to get phased out, right? It's your harness and lanyard. It's going to stop a fall in progress. It's got that shock absorber absorbing pack on it to where if you fell off the edge, it's going to, that shock absorbing pack is going to extend out and decelerate you, right? So it'll stop you. You'll slow down and, and event, you know, it, look, it's going to hurt. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to save your life. It's not, it's going to, it's not going to be that sudden, right? Stop. Um, the other type is a fall restraint system. The fall restraint system is a harness and lanyard that prevents a fall from occurring. Uh, a lot of guys call these the yo-yos, right, the retractables. Um, they still have that shock-absorbing pack on them, but there's, I would say they don't really get used that much because it works like a seatbelt, right, that yo-yo, that recoil pack. So as soon as your body starts to accelerate in the fall, I mean, it locks up. It cinches. It locks up right away. So you don't actually, like I said, it prevents the fall from recurring, you're going to basically be at that locked out uh, position within second or less, right?
0: And the body harnesses, those are not a one, I guess they do have some one size fits all, but if you get into, if you are actually needing a harness, what we tell people is, is look, the more comfortable it is for people to use, the more likely they are to use it. So you, while you can get some of the cheaper, you know, one size fits all kind of, you know, with the, with the old type where you, you know, it's basically a buckle, right. You've got, you've got grommets and you've got a buckle on it. There really are some better options out there.
1: Yeah, there are. And, And the big thing, you know, I don't want to say there are one size fits all, because if you look at it and this is, again, it's, it's education. It's the lack of training. I feel that's out there is. The harnesses, they all have weight ratings. And it's important to make sure that you have the correct one and that it's fit properly. Every day I'm on a site, I see it. Guys, they got it because they don't like it. It's uncomfortable. So it's loose around their legs. I mean, it's hanging down to their knees. That chest strap is kind of crooked, loose. It's up, you know, it's not on properly. And it really does need to be on properly. That chest strap needs to be across the middle of your chest. Uh, the leg strap snug but not binding right you know and and you know the D ring in the back this is the biggest thing it should be between your shoulder blades and and you shouldn't be able to if you think about that chest strap you shouldn't be able to fit your whole hand between you know loose that would be too loose right you fit that between your your you put your your hand uh, facing outward right so palm off to the side if that your hand goes through there that's too loose right that chest strap like I said should be snug you really need to have that proper fit of that of that fall protection harness. When you think fall protection, we've talked about different systems. We talked about the the harness you're wearing or itself, the anchor point, the equipment. Again, competent person, somebody needs to inspect it, and it should. It says you have to inspect your gear before each use. So if you've got an anchor point that, first of all, if it's ever been involved in a fall, it's done. It's scrapped. Right? Yeah, you got to get rid of it. But second is if 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 it's I mean, think about your harness, if it's weathered, um, if there's been chemicals, paint could be something spilt on your harness. Yeah, that's actually eating away and deteriorating the, the the integrity of the harness. So things like that, you need, it needs to be checked at a minimum before each use, because if it's found, I mean, even some of those, the anchor points and stuff like that, like you said, the tests that are run on those, but if the anchor point, if a weld is cracked or if, you know, a, a piece, something is rusted or bent its integrity is now compromised it is not it does not have that same protective qualities i'll call it as it as it should as it came from the manufacturer
0: and when luke says to take it out of service we're talking about destroy it i mean cut it up into pieces small pieces because you know that there's some dumpster divers out there that are going to be jumping into that and go oh man this thing looks great we can use it again if they use it again and it fails to keep them safe and they fall, well, you, you might actually be held liable if I'm not mistaken. Right, Luke?
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know what I I suggest is anything that's taken out of service, give it to your safety guy and let him use in his, tra- his or her training classes, right? So that way that, hey, here's some safety equipment that we've already taken. Tell me what's wrong with it, right? Because that is that now you're, Educating them on how to inspect this compromised equipment already, right? And what what to look for. So uh, that that's what I would do with it, absolutely. But yeah, you're you're right. It it can't just be thrown in the back of a pickup truck because it's going to get somebody's going to pull it out or reuse it. It needs to be out of service completely.
0: And when you're talking about the care of your harnesses, don't bring them into the shop and throw them on the ground, right? Don't don't throw them in the on the concrete floor of the shop. That's not where to you store them they've got to be stored in a cool, dry place where it's not going to be exposed to chemicals and other types of things. Cause again, this is a piece of equipment that is designed to save your life in the event of a fall. I mean, think about it that way. Would you drive a car with bad brakes? Would you drive a car with no brakes? Would you drive a car that has a, you know, busted axle? I mean, all of these. I mean, think about all of those things. And really at the end of the day, This is keeping you safe. What's something people should know, but they just don't seem to understand?
1: So one key takeaway, I would say, obviously, is is educate, man, educate. If you're a safety professional out there, ask, you know, look at some of the stuff we talked about in this podcast. Ask your workers, ask the boots on the ground some of the questions like, hey, do you know about this? Do you know you're supposed to inspect your, your harness, right? So ask them these questions. All right. Educate the workforce. I think that's key. But another thing, if you are involved in a fall, right? We've talked about rescue plan, but if you are involved in a fall and you're just hanging there, are you are you 100 percent safe? Is that it? Okay, great. I'll get rescued. No problem. No, there's still another hazard and it's called suspension trauma. And this is when I talk about this in training classes or talk to other customers, people are. oh, I didn't know that. Right. Suspension trauma is the weight of your body in the harness right as you're hanging there. It can, and I'm saying, not saying it will, but it can. It has happened that it can cut the circulation off of the weight back up of of your blood back up to your heart. So you could, it's happened where a guy's working alone. At the end of the day, he falls off the aerial lift. Let's say, or falls off the edge. He's hanging there. The next morning, his guys come in, the buddies come in for work, and there he is hanging there, and he's deceased. Because because of lack of blood going up. So suspension trauma is is real. There, there's That's why that, again, to tie it all up, that rescue plan is so important to have. You know, how are you going to get somebody down if, if they're involved in a
0: fall? You need to prepare for your job, prepare for the hazards, prepare for emergencies. And if you do not have all of that preparation done prior to actually starting the work, then you're already behind the eight ball. And And have it
1: in writing. Yep. Have it in writing.
0: If you don't have all of that in place prior to the job, if somebody falls, more than likely, it is going to end up as a fatality. So this has been behind the standards with United Rentals. If you have any questions about this topic or have any suggestions about other topics that you may want to be discussed, feel free to send an email to URTSpodcast at UR.com. For additional content and training information, go to TrendSafetyEvents.com. I want to thank Luke Borle for being with me today. And on behalf of Luke and myself, thanks for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.